Welcome to Ready, Leaders to Know. My name is Bill Graves, and for almost 10 years now, I've been building relationships with community leaders who have been tapped as ready to help lead in many different ways. Join me as I continue these conversations with leaders as they reflect back on their journeys. Today, I talk with Lisa Norton. Lisa has stepped into local leadership, first on the Lent Township Board, and then to serve as mayor of Eagle Lake, Minnesota. She talks about her journey from growing up on a farm in greater Minnesota to activism and politics. She has relied on mentorship and learned by doing while supporting Mark Corrin's state Senate campaign. From Mark, she learned values like transparency and fighting to provide access to resources for all who need them. She's an advocate for practical, solution-oriented leadership and for leaders who listen and work for all constituents. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Lisa, I understand that you, you grew up in the West Metro, in Minnetonka and Delano, and as an undergraduate, you went to Metro State University pursuing a degree in legal services. Can you talk about your undergraduate experience and, and why legal services was appealing to you? Yeah, I uh, went to Metro State after I had done an associate's at Inver Hills. Inver Hills was kind of me piecing together uh, previous attempts throughout my life of switching schools and moving a lot. Uh, and Metro State had a really uh, great offering for degree completion, individualized studies, and you could really make your degree anything that you know was relevant and worked for you and really kind of told the story of all the education you had completed prior. So um, I did uh, legal studies as my focus and pulled together a lot of paralegal courses, writing, that kind of thing. For a long time, I thought I was going to go to law school. Mm. And ended up at Metro State and finished my bachelor's there. Mm-hmm. And what made you decide that law school was was not the right choice for you? I had a farm with 25 horses in the backyard that okay. had food and care and a lot of manure to move. So it really just did not work uh, on top of that and a full-time job. It was just very time and cost prohibitive. Sure. I, I have heard and have experienced in my life that the hardest working people uh, I know have 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 grown up on a farm. I don't know if that is resonant yeah. to you, but I can understand both um, both of those being strong draws on on your on your time. Yeah, I I would have to agree. I, I think there's a mentality from the minute you're born and old enough to you know open a gate or hold a pitchfork that. The animals come first. Holidays don't matter. You don't get days off because everything depends on you for life. I mean, food, water, shelter. Mm-hmm. And it really makes whatever you want come second to that. And I yeah. think our kids, we probably carry that with us through a lot of things. Yeah. And I would imagine it also makes it hard when when you know that your needs are going to need to come second because there are all these animals that depend on you that yeah. uh, prioritizing and thinking about your own needs is yeah, um, that's your great for parenting because you know yeah, it sounds like it yeah it sounds like parenting <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but you have that um that preview of it and and still you you found a path through to to something that is you know legal service is very different than or i imagine very different than kind of caring for animals on a farm yeah a little bit you have to deal with a lot of whining uh, sometimes it's an animal sometimes it's a human but you know a lot of whining. <laughs> That's great. Um, great. And from there, um, you moved on to two master's degrees, one with, with Maple at Metro State and then one at, with uh, Concordia uh, with an MBA. 
talk to us about your your decision to to really kind of go all in on your higher education. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, just to be clear, I just started my MBA program. I am four weeks in at ah, Concordia. Okay. Um, so yeah, the master's degree obviously uh, went through Maple and. To be perfectly honest, I'm not exactly sure how I ended up at Maple. My best guess mm-hmm. is that I did take the LSAT after uh, finishing my bachelor's and said, should I go to law school? Should I go? Should I go? Should I go? And mm-hmm. just studying for the LSAT made me realize that probably not going to have enough time. I'm just not that invested into going to law school, um, mm-hmm. but still kind of undecided. And I had a friend that I graduated undergrad with who was considering Maple and I learned about the program and went, well, yeah, that sounds interesting. And I already mm-hmm. um, could tie it into what I was doing. And uh, my work, my company, Blue Cross uh, Blue Shield of Minnesota, they're very supportive of um, continuing your education. So they're like, yeah, go for it. So that's kind of how I ended up at Apple. <laughs> what, what did you see as that tie between your work at Blue Cross Blue Shield and, and the Apple program? Well, I was already a political activist. I think like most people, you don't plan to do this. Uh, You Mm -hmm. just sort of end up in it because you get passionate about something. Mm -hmm. And when I lived up uh, in Stacey, I had my farm and I had a very, uh, very cool neighbor uh, named Mark Coran. And he was on the local Lent Township Planning and Zoning Committee. Mm -hmm. And he was very common sense. And he really told people how it was and, you know, kind of was the the person that kicked the dust up in the slow cog of, you know, government, right. Things don't Mm. move quickly. You want a permit two, three months. And that's just kind of how it goes. And, you know, Mark was very outspoken. I thought, well, that guy's great. (laughs) He Mm. really knows how to get stuff done. And he later uh, decided to run for Senate. And I said, I don't know anything about that, uh, but I want to help you. How do I help you? Mm. Because I I like you. And Mm -hmm. so that's how that all evolved. And I really learned a lot on his campaign. I don't know if any uh, anybody else has a different experience, but generally, if you have someone running for office, especially uh, for the very first time, uh, they'll take anybody who's willing to help, mm. with, uh, <laughs> teach them mm-hmm. anything they can. Um, so, and that was my experience. I did a lot of everything from door knocking to driving the parade float to mm. uh, working at county fairs attending events and just kind of being where Mark couldn't be sometimes to make sure that people, you know, knew what he was running for and why that kind of thing. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was a great experience. Um, he had a really wonderful campaign manager and great team to learn from. So I just kind of ran around and did whatever I could to help. Mm. I- I'm curious how that experience either played into what you expected, if you had any expectations or really challenged your your expectations or surprised you in ways. How, how did how did that experience either conform to what you thought running a political campaign would be, or or really challenged it? Yeah, I don't think I had any you know preconceived idea of what it was like. I was clueless. Mm. I really was. I think I thought being in a parade would be super fun, and by the end of a summer of walking in dozens of parades, you're like, oh my gosh, I never want to be in another parade in my life. <laughs> too many parades. <laughs> it's too hot and it always storms, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I don't, I guess my biggest surprise was probably how much I ended up enjoying being part of that fight, mm-hmm. um, you know, being part of a process that could come up with results that really impact people. Mm-hmm. I'm curious how, what you learned about Mark through this process also, as I'm hearing you say that, you know, being part of a fight was what, what maybe you, you became drawn to. 
how did Mark show up to those fights and, and was, was that part of the inspiration or? Oh, absolutely. I, I still to this day, I don't know anyone that can outwork the guy. I mean, he cares, wow. mm-hmm. he cares and he's just there. He is everywhere and he's very honest, he's thoughtful. I don't think he could judge a person if he tried. Mm-hmm. He's just probably one of the most open-minded people I've ever met. And I thought that was really um, a great way of doing things. He'd work on all sides. He'll talk to all sides and he might be a Republican, but I, he probably has more conversations with Democrats because, you know, mm. you can actually learn and flex. It's not an echo chamber. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I just saw how hard he worked when, wow, politicians must do this. And then I realized, no, he's rare. <laughs> and mm. that's really cool. Mm-hmm. That just that, that working. And I imagine the work is to get to know people and to, to be parted and connected to as many uh, parades or, or community groups as possible. And and because you need to need to have people actively choose you. Is that, is that kind of what you're talking about by work? Um, Yeah. But I I think he really did a great job. Specifically, Mark was really getting in and finding waste. Mm. Mark is very much for um, transparency in government and, Mm -hmm really making sure that people have access to the things they should have access to. And mm-hmm. he's very outspoken. And sometimes I feel like of all levels of office, you have people that are willing to just kind of turn the other cheek or not dig in because it's not worth it, or it's going to cause problems. Not Mark. No, he'll come in and just like mm-hmm. knock that can of worms over and just dig in and say, what's wrong with this? How do we fix it? How do we make it better? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Two years later, it sounds like you make the decision to pursue elected office and in 2018 um, join the Lent Township Board. And Lent, I guess, is just north of Stacy, north of the Twin Cities. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about, about why you made that decision and what that race was like as compared to supporting Mark and his race. Yeah, well, it's actually all Mark's fault. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> when Mark got elected to Senate, he uh, was going to... I can't remember if he officially had to resign or just didn't run again for his planning and zoning seat. Mm -hmm. Just obviously time commitments in the Senate. Um, So there was a vacancy on planning and zoning. I thought, well, maybe I could do that. You know, that'd be fun. Mm -hmm. And so I did. And I really enjoyed planning and zoning. And then I also work as an election judge. And next year came along and uh, or two years later, I'm trying to think timelines now, but Mm -hmm. There was a vacancy on the township board because the person who was in that seat wanted to run for county commissioner. Mm. And I was working as an election judge. It was about 4.30 in the afternoon, that quiet lull before everyone runs in after work. And mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. clerk at the time, Kelly, said, well, no one's running for, for Lyle's seat. I'm like, well, what do you mean no one's running? She says, no one wants, no one's come in, no one's filed. I have someone to, to call as a backup if nobody else wants to do it. And I'm like, well, who's that? And I knew the guy who was a friend of mine. And I called him and said, do you really want to do this? And he's like, mm. not really, but I'll do it if no one else wants to. I'm like, mm. well, hey, why not? So I filed for one township board. And about two seconds later, somebody else came in and filed as well. Wow. Lifetime community member on the fire department, well-liked, well-respected. I'm like, man, mm-hmm. why didn't you save me the two bucks and come in 15 minutes ago? <laughs> but um, it made for a good sporting time. And we really ran a campaign against each other. It was nice. It was fun. But, oh, we had signs out, door knocking. The first door I knocked was with Matt Muscle from Maple. He drove up and helped me knock doors. And it. the very first door we went to was my opponent's mother. 
Okay. What was that? What was that doorknob conversation like? It was it was hilarious. Yeah. Uh-huh. I said, well, I'm Lisa. I was signed at the time. I said, I just want to introduce myself and love to, you know, hear your thoughts on the community, what things you like, what you don't. And she's like, she was great. And she said, but I'm, I am going to vote for my son. Mm. I was like, what? <laughs> she's like, yeah, my son. I'm like, oh, well, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, I guess you would probably, but should mm. I win at least, you know, who I am and we can connect, right? <laughs> so mm. it, it got, it got, Everything was easier after that one. <laughs> <laughs> How is it different knocking on the door on the behalf of yourself versus on behalf of someone that you really are inspired by and are looking up to? Yeah, it's very hard. I think mm. even as a female, it might be harder because we tend to, mm. not all, but I think a lot of us tend to say, you know, it's a team effort. You know, mm-hmm. it's not me. It's all of us. Or, you know, I was just in the right place. Like we have a harder time maybe saying, I am good at this. Mm. And mm-hmm. I definitely it's easy. It's, it's very easy to speak about someone, you know, it's, it's what mm. you know, the facts are the facts. Mm. I know Mark is great. And here's 20 reasons why mm-hmm. myself. It's like, Ooh, I don't even mm-hmm. know if I can get my laundry done by the end of the day. If I really tried, how am I going to do this? Mm. So, but you know, I, I, I'm outspoken and I think that was really helpful. I'm very extroverted and mm. I tend to be able to talk to people easily. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're just honest and, um, so you know, I don't know. I don't know a lot of this. I, I'm new to it. Mm-hmm. I, but I'm here to listen and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll do what I can. I think that means a lot more to people than, you know, spouting off whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Can ones don't really, they're not effective. I really don't think they are, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. I also have to imagine that part of running is dis- discovering all these people who, who are stepping up in ways that you never would expect. And that like the, the hard part, it sounds like is needing to step out yourself, but then you won. So clearly, clearly you, you've, you found that support. Can you talk to me about, about what it's like when you raise your hand? And then I, I'm also you know fascinated by the fact that you're raising your hand really because you had a, a conversation about who wanted this, you know, the least and the other person said no, <laughs> slightly less than you um, to all of a sudden, you know, this, this sporting race that you win. So yeah. <laughs> Talk to me about that. Yeah, well, I know now that you mentioned this, I'm seeing there's kind of a habit to this for me that I really didn't know mm-hmm. my community that well. Um, I knew Mark and had helped with his campaign, but I hadn't lived in the area all that long. I mean, I had been there, but really didn't know anyone because again, I had the farm and didn't mm-hmm. know I was pretty much just um, <laughs> working on my farm. So mm-hmm. I knew some people. I had in-laws there, and I think my mother-in-law probably. Uh, drummed up a lot of votes for me um, with her connections. She was really involved. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I knocked doors, but it wasn't like I was talking to a lot of people that I'd known for a while and saying, I hope you support me. Mm-hmm. I was really introducing myself to everyone at that point. Interesting. So, so 2018, that, that's, you know, five years ago, as of this recording, how did that change for you over time as you move from candidate for office to, to office holder? What's that, that kind of experience of, of getting to know and, and then uh, your community members, uh, your voters, and then working on their behalf? Oh, yeah, I had a blast with it. Um, I was the youngest person on the township board, maybe ever. And wow. um, I had different needs and different ideas. Like for me, broadband, this is back in 18, we mm-hmm. were still struggling with dial up. Like I could barely ever work from home because I couldn't keep an internet connection. 
So, uh, you know, it, it wasn't just me, right? It was a lot of people in the community. There was a lot of kids in the area who would have their parents drive them to the local high school to sit in the parking lot in the dead of winter so wow. they could have Wi-Fi connection and do homework. So this was really, really real in our community. And, you know, Mark had been working on that um, from the legislative side of things, but really forcing the township itself to have a study done. Mm. We had seen how the other communities nearby sunrise township was a great example of this uh, they had a study and did some really unique things to get funding to get broadband but frontier had come in years before and used a lot of money to put in fiber and i don't remember all the details of what happened with that but let's just say it wasn't super effective and didn't reach mm. most people mm -hmm. so i jumped in immediately and started doing a broadband study mm -hmm. with a local um, EDA up in North Branch, um, so Chisago County, got mm -hmm. some great connections there. And I was really passionate about trying to get that connectivity together. So that was something really fun for me. And I think a lot of the people that are newer to the community were excited that there was somebody new on board because um, mm. it was the same kind of 20 people that have been doing it, you know, over the mm -hmm. years forever. So it was fun. It was like kind of a fresh set of eyes and a new voice and yeah, it was really yeah. great. Sounds like you you benefited from from being the new energy on the board, and that that also lent kind of opportunity for you to to discover new ways to support your community because you're you have a different perspective than people who have been on the board forever and have a different set of priorities and probably a different set of people that they've been listening mm -hmm. to, to to hear what what um, needs they have. Yeah. I think as we get comfortable in, in anything in life, right? When you're in your own environment, you know what you know, and you stop asking questions. When you're the mm -hmm. new kid, you got to ask questions. And sometimes it's like, wow, we haven't thought about that in 25 yeah. years. Change the gopher bounty to $3 instead of two. This could be a big deal. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't know what a gopher bounty was until I lived up there. And then that became quite interesting. I, if you ever want people to show up in a township setting, talk about gopher bounties or municipal garbage, and people will come out in droves. Okay, I <laughs> municipal garbage. Uh, you know, I, I, that makes sense. Gopher bounties is a new one for me. Can you can you just right? talk about what a, um, what the gopher bounty is and why changing changing it is <laughs> such a hot button topic? Yeah. So, um, and I'm not sure if it's is all over Minnesota. Maybe I think it is just up more in like north towards the Iron Range could be, but. Mm -hmm. Pocket gophers are quite the nuisance and they they do a lot of damage. So most of the townships and cities in the area have a gopher bounty. And in the old kind of antiquated language, um, these uh, city charters and these township uh, ordinances, the requirement was you had to bring in two feet and the tail and you had to bring <laughs> okay. it to... Yeah. <laughs> you had to bring it to the either the clerk or the mayor or the chair of the board, mm -hmm. and you would make first $2. <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, different townships uh, had done different things over the years, tried to make it more incentivizing by changing the gopher bounty to like 3 or $4. And some people are really against chopping up gophers. <laughs> Other people wow. are really supportive of it. I would say generally it was well supported if there was a nice kid around that wanted to make some money over the summer. Okay. But yeah, the, the attention paid upon gopher bounties to me, it was just bewildering. I, yeah. I don't know. It, 
right? Yeah. You, know, you don't know the issues that you're going to get into, but um, yeah. sounds like, it sounds like you were still listening and, and you found a side. So I, I did. Great. Yes. <laughs> Oh, that's fine. Mm-hmm. So, um, in 2022, you ran uh, an uncontested race to become the mayor of Eagle Lake, which is like, another small community, this time east of Mankato. So, talk to me about how that that transition happened from uh, that move. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, my ex-husband and I divorced and sold our farm right when COVID had just started. Um, we sold it that August of was that 2020. I, I can't even remember dates now. Mm. Um, and I had temporarily moved to my brother's house out in New Germany. And uh, about a year later, met my now husband. And mm. we got married in April. I moved in here and thought, wow, I should get to know the community. And mm-hmm. my husband had been on planning and zoning. And he's like, well, I just resigned last month because I have too much going on with work and the kids. And, mm. and I'm like, well, here we go. I'll join planning and zoning again. It's city, (laughs) different, but you know, it's not unfamiliar and I would get to know people. Mm. So I did that for about, oh gosh, three months. And then um, I was watching uh, with some, uh, some interest as to who was going to be the new mayor. Cause the mayor here um, had been at it for, I think about 16 years. Um, Mm. He'd done a great job and been on here forever. Well, there actually I wasn't even watching the mayor race. I was watching the two council seats. There were two mm-hmm. seats up, and there's a lot of people filing for the council seats. I thought, well, this is interesting, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, filing deadline comes along. It's about four twenty in the afternoon, and I saw absolutely no one listed in the mayor race. And I talked to the clerk, Carrie, and said, uh-huh. Carrie, "Who's going to be the mayor?" She said, "Well, no one's filed." I'm like, no, and no, and. No. What's the plan here? Wow. <laughs> she said, oh, there isn't one. And so I drove up there. I had come from a work event and I had quarters in the cup holder of my car. I walked in and said, this is insane, but if no one else is going to do it, um, here I am. And I gave her what I thought was eight quarters, totally my $2. Uh-huh. I gave her the little filing piece of paper and I said, if anybody else comes in, because you know, again, I've been here before, right? Mm. <laughs> if anyone else comes in, I wasn't here. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll collect my quarters drove, later. <laughs> yeah. I drove home, which is about you know four blocks away, and she called me mm. and said, You shorted up the quarter. I'm like, oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> so, <laughs> apparently I can't count. So I went up, bought my quarter, and I said, Has anyone else come in yet? And she said, No. And I sat there looking at the, the Secretary of State filing site going, this can't be real. Please, somebody else's name, please. And wow. about five minutes after five, there's my name. And I went, okay, well, All right. <laughs> I guess I'll really get to know people, won't I? <laughs> <laughs> yes, your, your plan has, uh, has a whole new wrinkle. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. so for, for people that aren't kind of living in, in these smaller communities, What's the what's the day to day life like of uh, a mayor of of Eagle Lake? Is it is it a compensated position? Um, kind of what yeah what what is the what's the commitment? Yeah, well, and it, it varies. I think depending on the city, we are very lucky here that we have a city administrator, mm-hmm. and we have um, two clerks. We have a clerk and a deputy clerk, and we have a community development coordinator. We have a police department, we have a fire department, and we have public works. 
and they really run themselves very, very well. Mm. Um, we have a city council of five, which is pretty consistent with most cities. And mm. in some cities, if you don't have a city administrator, you're going to have a more active um, council. But um, in ours, at least, we have an administrator. A lot of cities have a manager. Um, like mm-hmm. Mankato, I think they've got a manager and like an entire, you know, very large staff for running that. Mm-hmm. But ours is, is pretty typical for our size, um, being under 4,000. And my day-to-day, there might be days where I don't hear a peep. There's other days where I have a few emails, a few calls. But I would say we probably have the best city administrator ever mm-hmm. in the entire mm-hmm. world. So. We are very blessed to have Jennifer. She just, she handles everything. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. So having a good city administrator really makes your life pretty easy. What are the things that the city administrator looks to you to to do as, as the elected leader in the city? Well, it's funny. The mayor role really doesn't have much more power than anyone else on council. We preside mm-hmm. over meetings. You know, we're... Uh, I guess more of the the face of things at times. There's a little more expectation with like I go up to the Capitol um, and help you know push for different bills like water treatment facility. We have mm-hmm. um, for legislature the last two sessions, um, so we went up there and lobbied for those. But as far as powers go, it's really not that different. I'm a voice of five, and if anything, I have less of a voice because um, mm. I try to let the rest of the council really make those motions. And mm. I've never had. Any- I never want to. I, I hope that day never comes. We've, I, I think we have a fantastic council, too, where people are really respectful. We care. Um, we listen to each other. And there's only ever been one time that we had a not completely uh, I vote consensus or something. Mm-hmm. We never really deviated from that. And it was something silly. I can't even recall what it was. Where it was like, really, you just have to go vote me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's it's really not that different than just being a council member. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're, you're representing a place that has a lot of consensus and also a lot of competency, which, um, yeah. which makes, makes your job easily. But you did mention, you know, acting as the face of Eagle Lake at the <laughs> Capitol. Can you talk about the, the issue that you brought up about water and clean water issues? Yeah, so Eagle Lake, like many other small cities, um, like townships, I guess, a lot of Minnesota in general, we have a high level of manganese in our water. Mm. And something that Department of Health has really gotten more data on in recent years. I mean, it's been around forever. It's nothing new. It's not Mm -hmm. like a toxin or anything. It's a naturally occurring substance. But um, it has been linked to causing like attention deficit uh, concerns and other developmental things in infants. So we, our water is not safe for infants to drink. So if you're over the age of one year, it's fine. It's within quote safe levels, but Mm. it's not good for you either. So Mm -hmm. um, it it really becomes a challenge because a lot of the community, they have water softeners in your house. You, you know, it's kind of mitigated by the things you have, but then there are other people in our community that may not have that. And it's, you know, kind of easy for a lot of folks to assume, oh, yeah, you know, we're good because we have the ability to have this water softener and we're not just, you know, using city water without it. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of hard to get your head out of that space sometimes when you just take it for advantage. Like my water here at my house is is fine. It's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but the person down the street may have orange water and, you know, that mm-hmm. can be really frustrating and concerning, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, 
yeah, trying to get the community consensus on, you know, we need to do this. I think we're all consensus that it needs to be done. But when you look at, okay, who wants to pony up this much money? Just the design phase is well over a million dollars. And we're wow. talking 15 to 20 for a water treatment facility. Mm-hmm. For a community that has very little um, commercial business income taxes, it's usually, you know, our tax base is our um, property taxes. So uh, it's a really, really hard pill to swallow to think that we would have to pay for all that. How would we do it? You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so we're completely dependent upon grants and funding from the legislature. Got it. And and you're you're there to make that case that it's worth it. And it's in our civic interest as a state to um, to invest in everyone. Everyone has the yeah. right to have clean drinking water. Yeah. And this is, um, you know, this predates me. It's been going on for a while, but I'm certainly carrying the torch at the moment alongside our city administrator. Our legislators have been great fighting for us. Uh, but it's tough. You know, every community when we were at the Capitol, you know, you go to those meetings and you're testifying and your speech about why manganese is not safe matches the other 15 cities that mm-hmm. are there represented that day. We're mm-hmm. all saying the exact same thing. It's the exact uh, language put out by the Department of Health. It's like, well, you know, how do we stand out? How, how, do, mm-hmm. how are we going to get that, that spotlight to say, okay, now Eagle Lake's next? Right, right. As you look forward, what what's what's next in that process? Moving up on the state's list, did you get selected this year? No, we did not. No, we are really hoping that Senator Friends and Representative Frederick can help get that done for next session. The fight continues. Then, well, Lisa, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. Yeah, it was great to chat. It was really really fun, and you actually had me learning a little bit about myself and these weird patterns of my life. So, all right, all right, yeah. and that's that's the goal of this introspection for everyone. Right. <laughs> well, thanks again. You guys have a great day. Ready Leaders to Know with Bill Graves is produced by Carla Godwin and Matt Muscle, with support from Abdullahi Muhammad and Abshir Fatule. Audio editing is provided by Beth K. Gibbs of Lyft Podcasting. Thanks for listening.